Hello and welcome to the first episode of Project Moped. I'm your co-host Yanni Decudo. And I'm your co-host Andres Contreras. Project Moped stands for Media, Outreach, Politics, Economy, and Discovery. Right, and what we're hoping to do here is to educate our listeners and shed light to modern topics throughout these categories. For our first episode, we'll be discussing electric vehicles and finishing with our outreach portion of the show. Right, so now it's time for a media section. Andy, what do you know about that? So lately, I saw this viral TikTok on something called the Vegas Loop. And this is a 43 feet underground loop, which is actually under the Las Vegas Convention Center. And it is 2.2 miles of road that are driven by Teslas. So this road was actually built, it's a tunnel system. This was built by Elon Musk, um, the boring company. And um, Elon Musk once, uh, in 2016, he was caught in traffic and he was realizing, hey, why don't we like build an underground transit system so this doesn't happen anymore? Because, you know, rich people, they can choose oh, to do whatever they want. And um, so then started, founded the Boring Company to do this, to actually start this idea and develop a train system that will be able to run such an underground system. And currently, the Las Vegas Loop is 2.2 miles long and it connects um, different wings of the convention center. Uh, you have any questions? Yeah, I mean, that sounds really cool. Almost like, so it's pretty much a train system, but for Teslas with cars driving through it, right? Yes, uh-huh. And it's currently, right now, it's pilots. So there's people driving these Teslas from point A to point B. It's almost like an Uber system. You walk down there, um, you call your Tesla, tell them where you are, and then a driver will pull in, you get in, and then they drive you to your destination. Yeah, that's really cool. And is it almost... Are they planning on having almost like a railway, like different stations around LA and stuff like that? Yeah, actually, um, they just got permission to expand it to 56.8 miles of track. That will be around 21 stations that will connect from the airports in Las Vegas to other areas. Wow, yeah, that's really cool. So it's for Tesla's right now. Obviously, it's made by Elon Musk, but mm-hmm. are they planning on like opening up for other electric vehicles? I'm sure other people want in. So the only reason they're not opening up to Tesla's is because first, I mean, to anything other than Tesla's is because first of all, this is the boring company and that's Tesla. So they are endorsing this entirely, but also because um, right now it's not automated, but eventually they want to get to a level that it's fully automated and they want to do that with Tesla's and thus the track is optimized for Teslas only. That's that's definitely something interesting to think about, only for Teslas. And I'm sure having it completely automated, people are gonna love that, you know, sitting in the back of their car reading a book while they, huh? while they go through. Now, obviously, it's only for Teslas. Do you think other systems similar to this will be implemented maybe other cities too? Well, I don't think really similar as in cars are being used because once again, Elon Musk's goal is to ultimately either get to an automated system or to get to a train system. Interesting. I believe, and so do many other people online, this thing is not very popular. People don't really agree with really? it. Yes, but they believe this is an inefficient version of a subway system. And I kind of agree in that we can definitely be using more efficient methods than cars. I do like the idea that it's electric, but once again, subway systems are electric. But anyways, in cities and other cities, I do believe the system of underground transportation will be popular, will expand, but just the same system using cars, I don't believe that will make it out of Las Vegas. Yeah, that's definitely interesting progression from electric cars to other vehicles. All right, so now moving on to our politics portion of the show. 
first of all i want to mention taxes i mean obviously everyone cares about taxes these days but hey, it might be working in their favor because now and into 2024, the IRS is offering $7,500 of tax credit for the purchase of certain electric vehicles, which is definitely very useful. And receiving this credit almost acts like getting cash in hand. Dealers will either directly take off $7,500 off the total price of your new car, or they'll actually give it to you in credit, which is really cool. And Honestly, one of the biggest bonuses about this is there's very, very few qualifications to receive this. For married couples, you have to make less than $300,000 a year, and for individuals, it's only $150,000 per year, so it's very open. You're saying if it's below these salaries and they get this bonus? Yeah, they directly get this bonus, very simply. And also, infrastructure. As we know, that's a very talked about topic through politics. And so far, Joe Biden has made it clear that it is his goal to have all new vehicles sold in the U.S. be electric by 2030, which is a huge claim. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's 2024 right now. We are not that far away from 2030, only six years. And the biggest problem with this is that there is 43,000 charging stations in the U.S. right now. But Joe Biden wants to have around 500,000 by 2030, which is a huge increase. And would these charging stations replace existing gas stations? Well, from my personal experience, I've seen gas stations with charging stations right off to the side almost. And I think even if all new cars being sold were electric, there's still going to be enough gas cars to keep gas stations in place and probably have both gas and electric stations. Maybe like add an extra nozzle next to the gas pumps. Yeah, totally. And at first, Joe Biden proposed $15 billion in funding for this, but his new bill has actually less than half of that because of the pushback he received. $15 billion is a lot of money. Palmer with the New York Times did make a claim that when he calculated if every American drove an electric vehicle, the U.S. could end up rising about 25% more electricity than it does today. 25% more is a huge amount. And would those fossil fuels that we're actually saving from using less uh, non-electric vehicles, could you use those to supply that extra energy? Well, obviously, a huge amount of energy in the U.S. is from fossil fuels and uh, unsustainable electrical sources. So it could be used, but then, of course, you are defeating the purpose of the zero emissions coming from electric vehicles. Because of the huge increase of energy, you are now using more fossil fuels and creating more emissions, creating that large amount of energy, which is a main idea of pushback that many people don't like the idea of electric cars because they're not really yet making a difference. But in the future, it could, as long as we make more and more renewable energy. According to the EIA, Renewable energy only makes up 21% of America's energy, which is one of those numbers they're trying to increase to almost justify this big, quick change of electric cars. Um, why do you think that it's such a low number right now, like the renewable energy? Well, I think the U.S. does have a lot of access to unrenewable sources such as oil. And cost-wise, it's very, very easy to just go grab some fossil fuels from big companies and use that for energy obviously most people know their homes use unrenewable sources there is a large increase of solar panels and things like that but it's gonna take time it's just we don't have the effective enough technology 
yet to be able to use more and more renewable energy sources. Mm -hmm, definitely. All right, now on to our next section, economy. Right, so one of the biggest concerns about the economy is the prices. People want to know what they're going to pay for their new cars. And CarEdge.com says that the average new car price in the U.S. is around $48,000, which is honestly higher than I thought. The new electric vehicle price is around $53,000, which is a pretty significant difference. It's a very significant amount of money. But um, are there any measures being taken to reduce the average price of either of these vehicles, really? Well, one of the biggest issues with electric vehicles is that their technology is all new. So lots of research and testing has to be put in before they're put on the market, which is why they're starting off with a, a higher price. So definitely, companies are working to bring their prices down and open up the electric car market for people of all types of income. And that's something people are asking for. They want to have access to these electric vehicles, but paying these high prices isn't something they're ne necessarily open to doing. And you said these that new technology is one of the highest contributors to their expensive price. Do you know exactly what part of the new technology, like whether it's the batteries, like a new engine, a new computer? I do know that a large amount of technology is being put into the batteries because one of the biggest selling points of an electric vehicle is its range. People want to have the car that will go far without having to stop and charge it. So a lot of research is going into batteries and trying to increase their range and increase their power. I also do know that the computing system in electric cars is completely different from normal cars. It's totally new and it's something that they had to create when they were creating these electric vehicles, which definitely took a lot of testing and research. It even shows, JD Power explained that a huge amount of electric vehicle sales have grown since 2018 and they're increasing every year. So more and more people are starting to buy electric vehicles. Also, it's becoming a large part of the economy itself. When you have people opening up and buying to new markets, such as electric vehicles, it's creating much more flow in the economy and more money is being moved around. And as the economy works, you say like as more people buy these cars, shouldn't the price should go down, right? You know, higher demand and supply slowly starts to diminish. Should the price go down or would the price increase? Well, as of now, there is enough resources to meet the demand that people are asking for. Like I said earlier, the biggest issue for people is the price. Mm -hmm. But there are concerns that as more and more people buy, the resources such as cobalt and nickel used in the batteries will get to a point where they're starting to run low and companies will be forced to raise the prices of their new electric vehicles. Those are some good points you brought up, Yanni. Thank you very much. Now to our next section, Discovery. Right, Discovery. Everyone loves the technology that electric cars are bringing to the world. And some of that is the new and improved lithium ion battery, which its technology has significantly improved with the implementation of electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. Now what's improving is lithium ion batteries are able to produce more power and have a longer life, which is very useful in a situation like an electric vehicle. Wait, you had brought up the range earlier, right? Yeah, the range for sure. And it's even spreading beyond just cars. For example, Tesla battery cells are used in other areas like dirt bikes are even starting to use them. 
And they're also starting to be used for solar panels too, right? I think they are, which is big coming from technology made for cars uh -huh. implemented into energy sources for your house. Uh -huh. But moving forward, that stuff is mostly from the past, stuff that's been developed. Looking more towards the future, which is something that everyone is excited about, the US Department of Energy is currently working on lithium air batteries, which can be four times more energy dense than the previous lithium ion batteries. Now, would these lithium air batteries increase the price of electric vehicles, which we already determined to be pretty high? Right, that's a good point you bring up because we previously mentioned all the research and development that raises the price of electric vehicles. These new lithium air batteries are gonna need a lot of that. They're new and one of the biggest problems with batteries right now, the lithium ion batteries is they can burn for a long time and not have a way to be put out if a car were to get into an accident or something. So a bunch of testing and research will have to be done to new lithium air batteries, probably raising the price of EV vehicles. And as you said too, buyers are looking to see what has the most mileage, right? And if you develop a battery that has the most battery, that has the most mileage, wouldn't that technically just raise its price on itself? Like excluding the research and the development needed to actually develop the battery? Yes, it definitely would because people are willing to pay when they get what they want. And exactly. what they want is range. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> lithium ion batteries can definitely bring that, which is, it's something good to think about. It's something to be hopeful about, but we just be wary of the possible price increase. And um, I'm sorry to go back to this, but do you know exactly where lithium batteries originated from? Like what technology led to the next step, which led to this, which led to eventually the lithium battery? Well, the main difference between lithium ion batteries and lithium air batteries is that lithium ion batteries use a fluid. They use acid to produce and store the energy. So kind of like just a big Duracell. Yes. Duracells are actually lithium ion batteries. Mm, so they've been around for a long time. Obviously they're used in your house and lithium ion batteries have a very big scope of use. Mm -hmm. And we've had them, I'm not sure for how long, but they've been around. It's just that their technology was enhanced to be put and used in electric vehicles. Lithium air batteries are now completely different and their energy is stored in the air molecules instead of a physical acid. It's crazy how you can go from putting batteries in your toy cars to all of a sudden putting batteries in your real cars. Totally. And the future holds so many possibilities with these new batteries. Definitely. Now Andy, I'm sure you've been dying the whole episode for this section. That's true, Yanni. This is Outreach, where we find a charity or organization that we find significant and explain it to the best of our ability and hope to catch the attention of any listeners. We encourage you all to volunteer, donate, or spread the word for any of the organizations that we shed light on. For today's section, I'll be talking about Catholic Charities, or more specifically, a section of the Catholic Charities called Sarah's House. So before I begin, I want to say that the Catholic Charities isn't exactly a religious and only religious organization, so anyone that's interested can donate or help out at these areas. According to the website, they are a supportive housing program offering emergency shelter and project-based supportive housing with an array of other services for families experiencing homelessness. The location for Sarah's house is next to a military base that is located near Fort Meade. I noticed that the entire the organization has more than 2,000 dedicated colleagues wow. and 8,000 volunteers. 
as well as 10,000 donors. This, this organization lets people get a foothold in careers and grow from homelessness, trauma, addiction, and other services are hosted there, such as senior living and immigration services. They accept donations, and for anyone curious, they also do volunteering, and I strongly advise you to go, because I, I once volunteered there, and I thought it was a blast. Right, so you volunteered there. How yeah. would you describe your experience? So I went there um, to actually help out around, like do some chores, basically. We were at first moving boxes around, and then we got a little tour of the area, and then we finished off by gardening for them. And I noticed that they had separate living quarters, so it was made safe for all families. So um, they had women and children in separate areas than the men, because you know some of these women, some of these uh, children are actually healing from abuse from older men, yeah, like, you know, toxic men in that they had in their lives, right? And I thought that was really cool. I thought that was like fascinating. There were kids, uh, there were family, there were moms, dads of all ages there. I noticed that they had a preschool that we actually got to go in and see kids. Those kids were adorable, by the I'm way. I'm sure they were. Uh huh. And um, the preschool is in one of the houses next to them. And also for the older kids, they told us this while we were taking the tour. Um, they send them off on buses to other schools around the area. But when they get picked up or when they get dropped off, they make sure they're the last one on the bus so no one actually knows that they live there. That way they can't be made fun of at school. Oh, that's amazing. For I sure. know, it was, it was amazing. And um, one thing I want to bring up is that these living quarters, like I said, there's next to a military base. They're actually retired military barracks that were repurposed with kitchens and a tons of room for these families that need to come here. Yeah, that's awesome. So from what I understand, there was definitely a strong sense of community. Would you back that up? Definitely, like every member there is always trying to help out whoever's available. Um, there's never a dull moment there. When I was there, there was cooks organizing everything. There were people uh, playing, there was kids playing around. There were uh, adults talking, you know, people lounging around, teachers teaching, and the whole place was busting the whole time. Oh, for sure. That sounds like a great experience. Mm -hmm. Now, is there one maybe specific memory or something you learned that you'll bring with you for the rest of your life? Um, well, there was definitely this one time that I was gardening and then there was this little kid helping like one of the upper stories. He opened his window and started talking to us down below. Oh, and he, I remember him telling his parents that were there, Daddy, can I go out and play with them? And I was amazed. That was honestly, that hit me. Because that kid who was there saw us and was like, I want to go out and play with them. And that just really shows like these kids, like, they crave this attention, you know, like we're so lucky that we have to get to go to school and have tons of friends. Like definitely. these kids aren't that lucky. Yeah, that's definitely something that will change your perspective on life. Is that how you felt? Definitely. Uh-huh. Um, these guys, again, have limited food, limited resources. And I thought it was just amazing to experience it all. That sounds amazing. And I'm so happy that we get the chance to advocate for it and share our experiences on our podcast. Mm-hmm. That'll be it for today. Thank you guys so much for watching. This was Project Moped. I'm your co-host, Yanni Dekudo. I'm your co-host, Andres Contreras. We'll see you guys next episode.